Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Polk. How are you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing very, very well, Sarah. I hope you're doing well and had a good weekend. I'm doing well, but I have something to talk about. Boy. Okay. We're going to talk about this because I think it's very important that the listeners know that Hagen Doss non-dairy ice cream is really, really freaking good, and it's ruining my summer diet. <laughs> so what flavor? <laughs> Like, okay, so I started off with the peanut butter chocolate fudge because I haven't had peanut butter and chocolate ice cream in a while. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Like, the peanut butter is actually a bit watery, but, you know, it's still, you mix it with the chocolate and then you got a good swirl going on. Right, right. And then I did the truffle, the dark chocolate truffle. Oh. My oh. problem with that, though, is there's another ice cream out there that does like the hard cold chocolate mixed with soft creamy chocolate ice cream a mm. lot better so it's so, the truffle i wouldn't recommend but i found it well i found the flavor what's the flavor what's the magic the flavor flavor is the mocha cookie chocolate oh. non-dairy because it's like it's like when sound. you take a piece of cake yeah and you mix it with ice cream. That's what you get in every single freaking bite. Oh, that just sounds divine. It, it really does. It is amazing. That might actually, like, almost, that sounds like it would displace chocolate chip cookie dough for me. <laughs> and it's non-dairy, <laughs> which is a beautiful thing, people. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, that that's fine. I, I'm glad I got that out of my system because I know you're well, just dying to yes. talk about the Emmy nominations. No, no, that's a very important public service announcement. I mean, it is summer. Pockets of the country have been dealing with 100-degree heat, and we're all trying to figure out what's a good thing to, like, cool off on those hot summer days. So, guys, I, hey, I haven't had this with Sarah recommended, but I'm going to try it because it sounds like it's, like, the perfect thing to, to bring relief from the heat. Yeah. Yeah, and and I'm like, uh, I'm a connoisseur, okay, because I it's it's been a hard road because of this whole no non dairy thing because of my acne, and it's I found it, but and it's also cheap, okay. I would have to say out of all the non dairy options out there, go with the Hagen Doss because it's good, but it's a little bit cheap on the cheaper side. All right, I will do that. We have a new Sprout store opening up around the corner, so I'll have to check it out. I don't know what that means. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like it's like a natural foods kind of whole you know, grocery store. So a lot of folks are very excited about it, but people don't want to care about what's going on in Durham, North Carolina. They want to they they they're here to typically hear about entertainment stuff and not our food choices. But hopefully, but if you have some food choices, we're more than welcome to you know, drop a tweet a tweet to us or post on our Facebook page. Give us your recommendations. Yeah, and let's talk about Emmys. Jesus, Will. (laughs) Hey, who got this? Yeah, okay. Let me be producer and get us back on track. Yes, let's talk about the Emmys. I tried to get us back on track like three times. No, you haven't. (laughs) (laughs) At least once. At least once. Maybe once. Maybe once. All right. Yeah. So, Emmys. Big year. The king was the throne. Who was the king? HBO. 18 years. 18 years. I mean, of like, you know, leading the categories and, and Netflix finally by four beat them out of nominations this year. Uh, 
I like, what, 112 to 108? I don't know. I mean, does the total Emmy nominations really matter for a network, considering how many TV shows are produced now? It, I think it does matter. I mean, I think it, in this environment of, of cutting the cord, I think it's, it's relevant from that standpoint. What does cutting the cord mean? When people watch their movies on HBO and cable TV services, and now things are flipping over to what gets so much of our entertainment from streaming services like Netflix and Amazon, Hulu, etc. That's all I can say. Hmm. Maybe. Uh, That's that's just my thought. I could be wrong. No, I I think it's a it's a fair point. It's just it doesn't do anything for me personally. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know to be honest because I don't. I I think it's I saw that headline now that you brought it up and I didn't think much of it because I also tend to disagree with the Emmys mm. because leftovers should have got more appreciation from them and that never happens so yeah. I'm still pissed off about it. Okay, you got you got to let it go. <laughs> You have to let it go. It's just, it's an interesting, like, Emmys these days have been a lot like the Golden Globes are for me, where I feel like it's just to get as many famous people screen and really viewership counts. And I don't think that that's fair. I don't think viewership should count. Like, viewership, I don't believe counts for the Oscars at all. Like, there's a lot of films that get nominated and end up winning not because the whole America population watched them, but oh, because of the art form. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, really, how many people, whenever whenever the nominees, for example, for Best Picture come out, honestly, unless you're like a super film buff or whatever, you know, Joe, John and Joe Q. Public, you know, they're not big commercial successes. I mean, they, they you know, they have, they probably make their money back, but they're not like, the big multiplex everyone must see this now after it wins it'll have obviously a a period where everybody will you know you'll see spikes i'm sure in in netflix and other things where people are 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 checking out those best those best pictures because oh now you know there's a lot of buzz around it but but prior to it nah Mm -hmm. yeah I also think it's interesting, like, you brought up HBO and Netflix. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is on Amazon, Mm -hmm. and they had, like, 14 nominations. They did. And I think... Like, that's insane. That is insane. (laughs) I mean, I I think it is, a lot of it, too, is, yeah, I mean, I know it helped the big picture I was bringing networks up. Mainly, uh, it it was just more just seeing maybe the changing of the guard from cable to, to streaming in this case Netflix but I think with a lot of the streaming shows like Mar- Marvelous Mrs. Maisel whenever one of those shows like hits like that The Crown, Stranger Things whatever the case may be Westworld um, but my point is you know once those shows do like hit in the public consciousness I mean they, they just really do drive the conversation and drive eyeballs to them you know, like the hands handmade tell on on Hulu last year, and even. Yeah. But I mean, I think also it's hard for TV because we have a short term memory, mm-hmm. and a lot of times these shows will come out, and 
early on in the season, and then there's a delay before the Emmy nominations are made. Mm -hmm. So I think that sometimes for the Emmys, uh, the timing of it matters. Like, Marvel's Mrs. Maisel came out last year. Yeah. Shortly after the first, or after the most recent Emmys. So I think, I think it's really interesting how that show still did so well. And I think partly because of how well it did it with the Golden Globes, that's mm-hmm. really why they're continuing that success. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. I, I wanted, I think it's, I think it's interesting because Mr. Robot, like that show, will come out again right around the time when the Emmys are airing and it probably will like be the big thing everybody's talking about, but because it didn't hit this, the TV screen. Yeah. Which I'm surprised season three did not get more love from the Emmys than, I mean, I got some, it did get three nominations, but they're all in like sound and technical categories. It wasn't in the, Best, you know, outstanding drama or lead actor or supporting actor in a drama, those types of, or actress, which I was really surprised because I thought it really rebounded this year. Okay, well then, it, it may have to do with like constantly measuring it to the first season. True. And which it still hasn't surpassed. So I, I don't, I wasn't as surprised. I kind of figured with the amount of awards it got for season two that it would continue to go down. Mm-hmm. But I, I think season three is better than season two. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not as shocked that it didn't get accolades. Yeah. I mean, when you, yeah, because when you look at the outstanding dramas this year, I mean, this the Americans, which it, it is wrapping up its run, uh, The Crown, which everyone is critically claimed across the board. Game of Thrones, enough said. Handmaid's Tale, first season, knocked it out of the park. People were conflicted about the second season. Stranger Things. I haven't really watched the second season. Yeah. I, like, know what happens, but I I watched the first two episodes, and I'm like, how about not? Yeah. (laughs) As Lacey from the show would say. (laughs) (laughs) How about not? Yeah, yeah. Well, and you are one of us. I've seen that where many folks just, for whatever reason, for various reasons, dropped off from from it on the second season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Stranger Things again. Um, it, I, I don't still... understand the Stranger Things. Like, like this is why I find Emmys to be much, so much like Golden Globes is because mm-hmm. Stranger Things. It's a great show. I don't yeah. think it's like Emmy award winning drama. Like, I really don't. I don't know why why they keep doing that. Yeah, yeah. I think it is It is that popularity uh, measure, I think, uh, like like somewhat like the Golden Globes. I mean, it is the it thing. And I think it, you know, definitely, I w- I'll, I'll agree with you there. I think there are probably some other dramas out there that could have easily moved into that slot. Um, oh, Will, another problem I had with the nominations. I I think Justin Hartley was robbed. Mm. He plays Kevin on This Is Us. And mm-hmm. Sterling came around. I love you. You're amazing. Yeah. But you've had your time. And yeah. I really do think it's shocking that Justin Hartley didn't get nominated, especially considering he ha- he led like my favorite episode in the entire season this past year. Mm-hmm. Where I showed you that clip from, 
it, and that was really heartbreaking. Yeah, that was talking, a powerful scene. Like, and nothing, I don't watch that. I don't watch that show, but even that almost, I was like, I need to like, you know, I even think I even commented then or when we talked about it. I need to like add that to the summer rotate. How a hiatus rotation get called up. Mm-hmm. Right, and yeah. and he didn't get a, a thing for it or anything, a nomination. Like last season, he got a nomination. And I didn't right. even think he was that good in season one. But well, it's, yeah. Well, yeah. again, this yeah. When you look at the lead actor in drama, I mean, you had I mean Sterling K. Brown and uh, Milo. Uh, and Camilla. You know, two nominations for <laughs> This Is Us. Thank you for taking yeah. me a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you had you know Jeffrey Wright and Ed Harris for for Westworld. So uh, basically, the only you know the two shows that. Other other nominations was Jason Bateman for Ozark, which I know you're probably like when you saw that you're like what? Because I know he fell on that show like midway through. And uh, Matthew Reese for The Americans is that the parting, you know, gift for thank you for, for your last great season, you know? Well, it'll it'll say something if he wins. If Matthew Reese wins, then yeah, it, it really is for more his entire run on that show. If Sterling Kane Brown wins, the Emmys are more and more Golden Globes. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. But, you know, Emmys go either way for me. Sometimes I really think that they make the right call, and sometimes I'm just like, what the heck is this? Everybody gets a trophy? No. <laughs> <laughs> because Kyle Chandler won for the last season of Friday Night Lights, Mm-hmm. Even though by that point, nobody was watching it, but they really yeah. wanted to give him something. Because if you if you go back and rewatch that show, which is it's a great show to kind of go back to, he yeah. does amazing. I don't know why they couldn't have done the same for Connie Britton, because it was really the pair of them that mm-hmm. carried that show. But which is also an, another interesting thing, Will. Like on TV, I find it more and more like these performances come in pairs almost where it's not one person really ever carrying the show. It's always like two people. And I mean, Mm -hmm. Rami Malek does amazing in Mr. Robot, but Christian Slater always has to be around whispering in his ear for it to really drive home. Exactly. Exactly. Or BD Wong just has to play two different people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, um, before we close out the Emmys, I had television historic news came out with Sandra Oh being the first Asian American actress to be nominated and lead actress in a drama. So that was great again for her representation and broadening the the uh, scope of nominations. So she she has been nominated though for best supporting actress for Grey's Anatomy though, correct? Because her her performance as Christina on that show was pretty amazing. Yeah, she's been nominated uh, five times okay. for Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Okay. Yep. She, the, the sad part about it, though, she isn't going to win. No, Marvelous she's not. Mrs. Maisel is going to win. Oh, no, that's for a comedy. I don't <laughs> that's know. That's for comedy, yeah. I hate Emmys. <laughs> yeah. I can't well, keep up. Follow up on our conversation with Matthew Reese with the Americans. Carrie Russell will win it for the Americans. And I think that's a big way for us to talk about Carrie and some news from Star Wars. Yeah, she got cast in episode nine. Yeah. So what? Yes. Was? Yeah, she got cast. 
What do you think she's going to be? You think she's going to be like... I, I read a very interesting article from Yahoo where they were trying to compare her to Alec Guinness as far as Obi-Wan, Kenobi type of character that's going to bring millennials to Star Wars as far as having a big name like Alec Guinness was for A New Hope back in uh, 1977, bringing heft to the production, her being that same type of figure for, for Episode Nine, And people who watched the original... Star Wars, they're they're already there, but I guess given that with her role in Felicity and now the Americans, the thought was in this this Yahoo piece was that she will bring millennials back to Star Wars. I'm like, well, aren't they already there? <laughs> yeah, um, I I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily know if that if I agree with that. I, I don't view Carrie Russell as kind of a a person that millennials are like, oh, my God, that's Carrie Russell. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised when people know who she is and that she was on Felicity because Felicity isn't a show I used to watch. <laughs> I right. think millennials got on board with that whole soap drama thing with Dawson's Creek, not Felicity. Mm. Um, but... <sighs> Who who does she play? And then also, like, do we need an Obi-Wan? Like, I don't like it when they take females, they cast them, and then it's like, oh, they're obviously standing in for this male character. It's like, no, 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 we don't do that. We don't need, like, the version, like, the female male version. Let her be her own character. Let her do her thing. Yeah, well, they were thinking that because of her history with, like, Felicity and, you know, doing that type of role and then with the Americans and being more having some action she can thread that needle and if create that ca- news you know create that if that character could be that whatever her whatever character is going to be in the show if they're casting based off of her performance on the Americans she's evil <laughs> she, she there like I have only seen a few episodes of the Americans, but she is not friendly. She is no. not a good guy on the Americans. She's she's a um a a gray Jedi then because she she's got some darkness in her and I think she can pull it off. I think whoever wrote that article will was obsessed with Felicity. <laughs> I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, have to sh- I'll have to share it with you. I'll, I'll, I'll post it on our uh, on our Twitter page too, so folks yeah. can read it. I mean, and I've also seen the things out there where they compare her to Daisy Ridley looks wise, and sh- I will give the casting person credit if Carrie Russell ends up playing Ray's, fa- Ray's mother. Those two look a lot alike, and I can totally see the family resemblance, which. I always liked that theory that came out in episode seven that Ray, even though she's she's shown as being a good guy, her lineage traces back to the dark side because mm-hmm. Kylo Ren's does the opposite. And right. I always thought that was a really cool parallel to play with. So, and a part of the reason why I'm not as speculating about this news or the Williams news is because I learned my lesson with episode eight. We don't speculate about this guys. They will yeah. crush our hearts. They, yes, they will. They will. And, and, and you're not, and, yeah. And, 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 and to your credit, you're not being the uh, grumpy fan gal. Um, uh, I like the grumpy fanboys that are out there trying to create their own 
movies, which, you know, Ryan Johnson's just like, you know, having such fun with it. But you're right. I mean, there, we just, with Star Wars, you just basically, I think the best rule is from this point now is just sit back and enjoy what they present to us. Because, yeah. because yeah, you're right. You will, you're going to be let down if you, if you try to do too much theory spiraling. Yeah, and I I am a I have one request of episode nine, mm-hmm. and they JJ can either make that come true or totally ruin all of my theory that Ray and Kylo get together. That's my only request. It has <laughs> to happen. Okay. It will. It'll happen, <laughs> but it won't happen. <laughs> or else I hate this whole franchise. <laughs> It'll, like I said, it'll happen, but it won't happen. And <laughs> you'll just be a year from now when we're talking about uh, episode nine. We'll, I'll, I will, will remind you of this moment. Yeah, <laughs> but, I don't. I don't really think you have to remind me of that. That'll probably be the first thing I bring up, whether or not that happens. I'm like, yes, it happened. Oh my yeah. god, I don't want to talk about this movie because it didn't happen, anyways. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, but I guess. They're, you know, you mentioned Billy Dee Williams, and uh, yeah, they're bringing back uh, Lando, and so I think pretty much, with the exception of uh, Wedge and Tilly's, who is a supporting character, I think all the major we've seen everyone from the the original trilogy in some form or fashion, and and the uh, new trilogy. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. So, so yeah. will will Lando hit Kylo or will he hug Kylo? Oh, he'll hit he'll hit Kylo oh. if he gets a chance. He'll hit hit, hit Kylo okay. for, for yeah. That's my only question. It, it's interesting. I mean, I I found when I think it's um, announcing that a lot of people immediately after Episode Eight started bringing that up that that's a possibility because Leia mm-hmm. talks about calling in reinforcements right mm-hmm. at the end of the movie and so yeah. some people are speculating Lando was going to be one of them right and I think having even though nobody saw Solo everybody who did go you know those five people including yourself will <laughs> they um <laughs> they did mention how Lando was a, like a really good part about that so I think just having him return now makes all the much more sense because yeah. Yeah. You you see some of his origin in Solo and want to know more about the character and where is he now. And so I think yeah. it's a good thread to pull forward. Definitely, definitely. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Ready for a cloak and dagger? Yeah, yeah. Unless you, unless you have a real burning desire to talk about Joaquin no. Phoenix and the Joker. Okay. Uh, oh. oh, yeah, I <laughs> forgot about that. No, no, we can save that rant for another time. We got a lot to get through tonight. <laughs> yeah, we do, we do. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's move forward. Cloak. Cloak and Dagger, Episode Seven, Lotus Eaters. They did it again. Just when I think they can't change the narrative, they change the narrative structure and give us a time loop episode that I did not see coming. Mm-hmm. And. I, I really like this episode. I liked how self-contained it was, yet it doesn't feel like we wasted an hour exploring no. one thing. It got into a lot of different layers. Um, this is the most screen time that I think I've seen Tandy and Tyrone share. 
Yeah, it, yeah, it <laughs> was much the whole episode. It was the whole episode, and yeah, and to your point about the Groundhog Day, you know, temporal loops over and over again, uh, been as a well-worn trope, but you're so right that the emotion that they brought to this and the deepening of Pandy and Tyrone's relationship was really. It was a good vehicle if, for them to use this type of storytelling to, to really get, allow us to finally get to that place where things are going to, to deepen for them, for them both. Right. And I think it, it was a smart choice to make it all set inside Ivan's mind. Mm-hmm. Because he's he is literally a, in a canatonic state in the present day, and for him, the explosion never really did happen. Like right. that's where his his memory self circuits, and that's for him. He really is just trapped in this endless loop, and mm-hmm. that ultimately leads him to go a bit crazy inside his own mind. And I thought that was a really nice touch that I'm not used to seeing. Yeah. Um. And and then they and what I also didn't really see coming and I I'm the stupid person who was just like oh my god that is Tandy's dad <laughs> and then it was until later where Tyrone explains like that's not your dad that's yeah. who Ivan thought, Ivan has thought he was and what he knew about your dad and I mm-hmm. thought that was another twist on perception which I'm yeah. learning. As we're watching this season, I find that this show does a really good um, does a really good job showing perception and how it impacts the decisions these characters make and how it impacts their lives. Um, probably because they have two central characters instead of one, so I think that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think that was, you know, with the with the perception. And the deep, and using Ivan as the the vehicle to really give Tyrone the opportunity to to really speak truth to Tandy, mm-hmm. because up until this point it has all it has been Tandy, you know, Tyrone dealing with Billy's death and uh, Tandy being the one who has has given those hard truths to Tyrone and you know, pushing him to uh, you know, try to change the narrative and for his story and how he's trying to get closure for uh, what happened to Billy and, and trying to make things right for, for, for that. Mm-hmm. This episode where you know, Tyrone was just like, Ty was like, I'm done. This is crazy. I tried closing the valves. Didn't work. We got to get out of here, and and then Tandy, like as you as you, well as you mentioned, you know she finally she hears this voice on the other side of the line, and and it's it, even though we learn later learn is what Ivan thinks of the uh, of uh, Tandy's father um, on the uh, end of the line, you know Tandy has really been stuck in that moment herself for so long and it really needed and and it was very great to see Ty step into that role this time and basically 
one, you know, reveal the fact that he does care about her, and two, uh, help her break through and pull her back to reality to say, now, Tandy, it's just you need to move forward and and, and really encourage her to speak to you and, and and really dig down into that conversation on the telephone line. And then it was a so powerful moment when she, you know, when she did talk to her quote-unquote father. She's who's in your back, back seat right now. Because she yes. was in the back seat. Okay. But it was, yeah. But I needed, yeah. But, I mean, he, he had to get her to do that so she would get out of this, like, this loop and, and pull back to reality. Yeah, but beyond the loop, it was also a revelation that um, I think to a degree Tandy has been kind of pushing Tyrone to stop, get, not be so stuck in the past. Yes, he lost his brother. Yes, his brother still doesn't have justice. And But there's a way to still move forward without standing still. And I think this is the first episode where it was really like laid out pretty clearly everything Tandy does, it's because she's constantly stuck in that back seat and she's not willing to move forward. And Mm -hmm. she's kind of, and that's why she does the drug. I think Tyrone bringing up the drug stuff really um, resonated a lot in that moment where I even was just like, oh my God. And at the end of the episode, when she goes back to the church, she does her routine minus the drugs. And so Mm -hmm. she really is actively ready to move forward and be a different person after this experience. And, um, yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a good episode to that degree, really exploring grief in mm-hmm. both of these characters, because just as much as Tyrone's the voice of reason, he also continues to stay and stick around because he knows if roles had been reversed, he would have done the exact same thing. Right. And and I think that's really what they're toying with, that as much as these characters clash about each other's choices – because they have these shared experiences, they still know if roles were reversed, I would have done the same thing. And then you add in the Ivan Hess layer on top of it, who is also a character dealing with loss and um, this major event impacting him. I like that moment when he breaks free um, because he wants to reunite with his daughter and yet he still now he doesn't know who Tandy and Tyrone are, even though they right. had gone through this experience. And I I do still predict like Ivan's not gonna be a good guy, which makes this episode retrospectively probably going to be much more powerful, especially when that dark turn occurs. So do you think he he worked with Tandy's father? Mm-hmm. And they're both scientists. They both were concerned about the energy that Roxanne is drilling for, and the how it basically, um, you know, caused you know the, the fear and terrors. Which you know, it's interesting to me, just you know, given that that's a portion of Ty, Ty's manifestation of his powers when he, you know, whenever he touches people, causes those fears and, and terrors. But yet, somehow he was able to. You know, whenever he was infused with these these powers, he didn't turn out like the those creatures that we saw uh, on the platform. Which I I read somewhere that, that that could definitely be something that we'll see uh, 
you know, moving forward in, in, in season two, uh, assuming that the show gets one. Is he a good guy, bad guy? I'm To me, there's not enough there to, to definitively say one way or another. Uh, but Ivan has was in on on this and and well it's it's not think about it this way yeah he as you just stated was a part of this was affected in a different way than everybody else on that rig like you have tandy and tyrone who were affected because they were in the water then you have ivan who's the only survivor on the rig meaning he he most likely was affected now, he's been in a connotated state, so we don't really know if he has any powers, but I, I think he's probably going to have powers, and then that's when I think the power's going to do the corruption, because, which is a really smart idea for the writers to do, because we already have a reason to sympathize with him. That relationship mm-hmm. between him and his daughter and that parallel between Tandy and her father really makes us feel connected and want to want to see like a happy ending for those characters. But then if not only the explosion occurring and his involvement in that, but also now being affected with this power that causes him maybe not to make the right choices. I don't know. I think, I mean, we can only have Roxanne, the evil looming cloud that is Roxxon be the bad guys for so long before we need more of a character mm-hmm. portrayal. I don't know if that made sense. Yeah. But yeah. No, no, it makes sense. I mean, it, it, it does make sense that you're right. We, this corporate entity can only be, the, it is the placeholder villain for, for season one. That's, and the re, you know, and seeing what happened from Ivan's perspective on the rig and him explaining what happened to Tyrone and Tandy, and then also just just the prior couple episodes where uh, Mina also talks about the energy burning that's ten times hotter than you know oil. Mm-hmm. So you, you know we we are getting all these little pieces put together as as we as we you know go through the season. So I think you're right. There's a lot there that he could end up being the a bad guy, and, and and it would be very good of the writers to make him a very sympathetic character at this point. You know, seeing that he was in a catatonic state and the only survivor from the the incident on the rig. Um, I so about the explosion though. Um, yeah. I watched an interview with the showrunner, and he they asked about the energy and. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was interesting in the show about how the others on the rig were the terrors, mm-hmm. which and a lot of how they re, um, how they interacted with this energy or responded to this energy um, force was aligned with Tyrone's powers. Mm-hmm. And nobody seemed to really be aligned with Hope's or Tandy's powers. Mm-hmm. And um in this interview with the showrunner, he talked about how Tandy and Tyrone are very lucky that they were both in the water because when the energy dispersed, they were both hit and the energy was able to like um, split and mm-hmm. give one 
one half and the other the other half. And and they're going to talk later on in the season, but how that split has to do with why Tandy and Tyrone can't really interact, like physically touch right now. Hmm. Because, I mean, if... Like, they're drilling for an energy source, and there's right. a big boom. Well, did it, usually a big bloom happens when one one energy force, like, interacts with something that makes it more combustible. Right. So I wonder how hopes are – I keep saying hope because her power yeah. it has well, – Yeah. The, 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 like, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, I mean, her power is always hope, light. Versus dark. I mean, the yin and the yang. So it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it'll be. There's still, it's it's really cool how we have a whole bottle episode in on the rig that night, and we learn some things about it, but it still feels like we've only scratched the surface. Yeah, but we did learn, even though they still physically can't touch one another without, you know, getting, repelling one another. Um, they'd still, it was, it was great to see them finally using their powers together to, uh, a couple ways. One, to be able to help Mr. Hess. Two, learn more about themselves and deepen their understanding of one another and brought deepen their relationship. And three, uh, just seeing them work together, fighting the terrors on the on the rig, because we really haven't seen that type of, I guess, I guess traditional like superhero quote unquote fighting at all in this show. But we finally got that as they were as they were fighting the terrors um, to to resolve the explosion uh, as far as shutting off the the valves to help yeah you know get out of, get out of this get out of Mister Hess's catatonic state. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. That stood out to me while I was watching the episode as well. I I, I think that this overall is just a really well-done episode because mm-hmm. you, once they even escape Ivan's mind and Ivan wakes up, it's still not the end because it always goes back to them and yep. them as characters. And to have them go their separate ways and then for Tyrone to call Tandy and kind of be like, you know, you were alone in the world, but you're not anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very powerful message to send, especially to teenagers who are probably watching this show. Yeah. And it is important to always reach out and make sure others know that you're there for them. Mm-hmm. And then for Tyrone to also bring out the old recorder that has his brother's voice yeah. on it. And to play it and for him to share that with Tandy. Like we talked about this earlier on in the season that the relationship that's being set is very intimate. Yes. And it's kind of unusual how in today's age to have a show with a potential romantic storyline not go straight for the sexual content, but hold back and be like, no, this is going to be, we're going to set the intimacy because that's more important and more believable and Mm -hmm. builds a stronger foundation and then have it escalate because it's going to happen. It's just not going to happen this season. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Yep. And even the, even the showrunner, even uh, with the the couple that was 
portrayed last in last episode. You had to do the head pickles. You had Tandy. It could have easily been mistaken for Tandy and Tyrone. It was definitely some foreshadowing, but like you said, it's we gotta we gonna we're gonna build this relationship and and I liked how they are building that relationship and and, and making it very deep and it's it's and it's a, it's enjoyable as a viewer as well. It's, it, it makes it more grounded and believable that these two individuals are destined to be together. Mm-hmm. The way they're the way they're building it out over over the course of the season. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I guess the next episode is gonna be the anniversary. It is. Yep. I'm looking forward to that one. Yep, yep. Yeah. Only what, three episodes left? Wow. I know. They got a lot like, to do. Yeah. They have yeah. a lot to do. But I, I, I have full confidence we will be uh Hearing that uh, Freeform will be re- renewing this show very, very shortly because uh, I, I, it would be a shame if it uh, it gets canceled after one season. Oh, I, I doubt it. I I've heard so much good buzz about this show. Yeah. I think that right now there's not a lot of competition. It's mm-hmm. the viewership is easy, and that's another thing. Don't suddenly make it a fall or a spring TV show because that's when all the Arrowverse yeah. comes back, and that's yeah. too much competition. Like, yeah, I think Freeform was smart to, mm-hmm. even though they probably could have dropped this in the fall of last year, they kind of held back because they know you have to be more strategic than ever when you're doing a genre show. Yes. And I I really want to see this not only return, but I like it. I want it to stay in the summer. Because Will and I need stuff to cover in we the summer. We need content. Okay? Yes. <laughs> yes, we need content. And this has been great content. I'm so glad it worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's... um. We'll have to check in at the season finale of Cloak and Dagger because we've had a lot of new comic book shows. And I'm curious if by the end of Cloak and Dagger, what your ranking will be of those freshman seasons. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so yeah. talking about new content, we are going to do a major schmodown rundown because they had the Collider Collision event on Friday. Listeners, if you guys haven't checked out the Schmodown on Collider on YouTube, please do. This is a great excursion. I don't know what to call it. Like a ga- yeah. game show. Like it's it's like competition. Competition. It, yeah, it's it's clearly if you if you're listening to this show, you you, uh, you probably enjoy movies, television probably have a lot of movie trivia knowledge probably stored up in your head that for either trivia night or out at the local pub or, or whatever. And this is your show because mm-hmm. you, you can, you can really deep dive into really tough questions and some, some easy questions, but, uh, but it's, but it's built around like the WWE context. So if you like, if you like WWE and, and you like movie trivia, then this is your show. Yeah, and it's easy. It's easy to watch. It's easy yep. to follow. It's entertaining at times. And I I want to say, like, uh, first of all, one of the reasons, like, they did Collider Collision last year, and I didn't really like it. I, I think they had majority of the 
good matches. Like majority of all the matches that aired were good. Mm-hmm. And that's really why this event I really connected with um, and is on par with the free for, for all. I mean, the free for all is still my favorite event that they do every year. But this is on par for it because, oh, my God, what yeah. happened? <laughs> <laughs> a lot uh, happened. Yeah, a lot happened. Yeah. Make sure you set aside this two videos on YouTube. Set aside a good chunk of your evening or break it up over a few days. Try to avoid spoilers if you can. Uh, if, you, if you've watched it already, keep listening. But if you haven't watched it, watch it and then come back and listen to us. Yeah. Now, you can skip Damon versus Green in the Star yeah. Wars division. I, f- I feel bad for Damon because the kid worked hard to face yeah. Sam Witwer for the belt. And between Sam Whitworth's celebrity <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. and Mike Kalinowski's little, like, hey, I'm going to mess with the matches, he's now, like, Green wasn't any competition for him. I'm sorry, no. he just wasn't. No, it was, uh, yeah, it, this fast forward, trust this. It was a slaughter. It was a slaughter. Just don't waste your time. It's easy, yeah. So you, you already can knock off about 30 minutes right there. Yeah, and then knock off about another half hour, then our geekdom. No, events like this are not for division, bracket, playoff-type matches. They're just not, mm-hmm. because when they are, then you get these matches where it's like a warm-up. And yeah. Cushing deserves so much more. Yeah. And again, Mike freaking Kalinowski, stop messing with the yeah. matches. I know but, he wants to take down the system, but I want to be entertained. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And if it's and if it's your first time watching the showdown, you're just like, really? Yeah. So yeah, so yeah. Don't if if you're gonna you know for a, a, a massive. Collider collision for a massive event where you're gonna, you know, you could be getting first time viewers watching this, um, who, who really don't know a lot of the backstories and the storylines and the factions and stuff. Have strong undercards because it can, it, yeah, because if not, it, it could really turn off new viewers. Yeah. I, I just, and uh, and about this whole Kalinowski thing, like, Will, I'm going to, I want to hear your take on it. Because okay. for me, I, even though I, I, I'm like mixed, 50%, I understand why he's doing this. The other half of me is like, dude, they gave you a shot to get a first contender match way at the beginning of the season, and he blew it. Yep. So why is he so mad at Harlow? Harlow. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a definitely definitely study in ego, and ego going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, if you if again as I said before, if you if you're going to do a power play, and you're going to try to monkey with the product, and if you're going to tinker with things, tinker it for the better. Mm-hmm. Not for the worst. And Damon versus Green and the inner geekdom with uh Cushion and Zipper, it just yeah. And even even the machine versus Howard versus Andreco match, I mean what what was going on there? I mean Okay. 
Yeah. I want to talk about it because yeah. I kid you not, my during that first round when Andreco kept getting answers wrong, I was like, did Mike mess with the questions? Yeah. <laughs> I seriously was sitting there like, this doesn't, like, Andreco knows his crap. A good historic match to watch is Andreco's debut because he debuted with Bibiani. Mm-hmm. And they are the first competitors to have a perfect first round. And I think Andreco missed one on the second round. And that is the episode where Bibiani does a perfect game. It's yeah. a historic match. It's a great match to watch. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's where I was like thrown off in the first round when Andreco's behind, like that's not supposed to happen. But I will say, I don't understand the machine, but Stacey Howard, even though she really came in third in this match, I think she is an underrated player, and yeah. she can do ma- do some damage when the questions go her way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the day, that day was just, yeah, this wasn't her day. Um, the wheel was not her friend, that's no, for sure. No, definitely not, definitely not. Um, but, yeah, but... Even with, with when she was eliminated and um, the know, machine, machine just um, you know she she the will was her friend because she was able to just clean up with the, the romance. Yeah, rom coms. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And um, then that was the category for her fifth question, and she didn't get it. Get it? Yep. That's true. That is true. But. Every, everybody has a blind spot, even you know, even in categories you have strengths in, and that was that just happened to be one. Yeah, the sad part is I own that movie, and I forgot what it was called because <laughs> I like could picture some of the scenes in it, and I'm like, what is that movie called? I know it, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it, it was I I I'm fine with this match because it did feel like that front liner like that to get you started nice and slow and you got you do have a rivalry between these two factions so it all makes sense to me but yeah yeah. it did work yeah i mean it it was it it was an entertaining match it was an entertaining match but um so in talking about kalinowski trying to do things for the better of the show what do you think of at the end when that announced that this year the team division, everybody's going to get mixed up. The teams are gone, technically. Yeah. All the names are thrown in the hat. Team partners Ooh. will be chosen. Brackets will be formed. I, I'm looking forward to this chaos, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, because what better way to, to if you're going to blow things up, just 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 throw a hand grenade in there and just do it. <laughs> and just see and just see how it falls out. Yeah, and there's something about um, fairness. Mm-hmm. Like you, you don't you, you could you could be a mid level team and then suddenly you find yourselves partner with a really strong player and next yeah. thing you know you're on top. So I think it's an e and. Um, very, it's gonna be interesting. The pairs. Yeah. I have a few dream pairs. Like a part of me really wants Roka to get paired up with one of the members of Team Action. Oh. You know, just for 
Just for giggles. Yeah. <laughs> Your girl would be, but that would be awesome. Broken might forfeit just for the sake of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like Roka and Bateman together could do some yeah. severe damage. Yeah. I don't know, but but yeah, I'm I'm really curious about how that'll the pairs that'll come out of that and the mm. new alliances that will form. All right. Well, enough delay speaking about team action. Yeah. Guy versus Merle. Wow. What a round. Is, is that you- it? Like, did you throw no. your TV? Did you throw your laptop at all? Because I knew you were going to be pissed uh, watching this. <laughs> oh, I, I had, I was like, what the? When, when Merle started getting behind, no way. This is, this is, the fix is in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Something's going on here. Did, did he like, you know, did he get so hyped that, you know, once the once go time happened, he was just like, Merle was he spent and he just went out there and just had massive brain farts like all throughout you know the rounds because yeah I just I did I did not see that coming I I really did not see that coming and I know most of us looking at the Facebook uh, Schmodown group uh, reactions after that uh, despite all the grumbling about the spoilers everyone was just shocked as hell. I love your face during that. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> and your reaction Jeff, to me whenever you finish watching it, and yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah, it's it is the biggest upset of Schmodown. It tops when JTE beat Bibiani because mm-hmm. this is Dan freaking Merle. I'm sorry, yeah. he he really is one of the best. I'm not yeah. going to say he's the best because anytime somebody claims that they're the best, they always get beat. Yeah. <laughs> Bibiani yeah. did that. <laughs> um, but I, this is one of my favorite matches of all time because you're, you're, you know, who's supposed to win. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as like, this is really when the antics kind of, maybe they do work. Maybe yeah. you do end up getting in people's heads. I don't know. I, Maybe it's a I distraction. I think Guy did. I, he, I think he did because, I mean, he, dude can, like, be, like, an uh, annoying ant, this ant, like, buzz, 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 because he just, I mean, uh, something does cause a disconnect with Merle where he just, uh, yeah, he was all, way off, like, you know. Well, it didn't help that he... He had Pixar, and then he mm-hmm. made the decision. He to made the yeah. spin. Yeah. And he got a poet's choice. Yep. That was the failure. That's where he, he, you know, it could have been a. Yeah, if he had that moment over again, you know he would stop, would have stuck with, he would stick with Pixar. Because that was where, truly where the match, that's where he lost the match when he did that. Yeah, and then even at the, but then you think, okay, well, maybe in the third round, he's going to get all three of his questions right. And. Mm-hmm. And guy is gonna fumble, but yeah, nah, he stole this, it. Like another reason why this is the biggest upset is because it's not just that guy beat Dan Merle, it's that it was a technical knockout. Mm-hmm. Guy didn't even have to answer a third round question. Really? Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, it's like wow. And he knew Dan's questions because. 
I'm sorry this is going to sound very stalker of this, uh, stalkerish of me, but I know this because I watch Action Anatomy on the Popcorn Network. You're welcome for the plug, guys. But the only reason why he knew that is because he's obsessed with Tom Hardy. So <laughs> he, he that's the reason. Because I, I, I could picture the images in the trailer, but mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out, like, what the name of that movie was. And as soon right. as I heard Child 44, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> Nobody saw that movie though. <laughs> but but you, yeah. <laughs> Clearly you saw it, but. <laughs> oh man, but I I just that so so the question is, what does what happens now? Like, if you were a guy and yeah. you just beat Dan Merle. Who do you challenge next? Or do you challenge somebody next? Because you know the moment you get beat, everybody's going to claim luck. Yeah. I would, I would, I would, if I were, if I were Andrew Guy, I would just sit back and just enjoy the victory. Mm hmm. Just don't, don't rub, you know, even though given his persona, he, you know, he's going to rub it in, but if I were him, I would just basically just sit back, act like you've been there, and enjoy, enjoy savor the win. Mm-hmm. Just don't F it up by talking too much smack, because you're right. As soon as, you know, whoever he picks, and especially if it's uh, a shaky opponent, and they, they, they beat him, and beat him good, then everybody will be like, see, it was just a fluke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, most likely he's going to try to get Riley because that's the only member of the Horsemen that he technically hasn't beaten yet. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't, I don't really know. It's it'll be interesting to see what does happen. We're going to see Merle sooner rather than later. He has a tag team yep. match, um, but we don't know the opponents and we don't know his partner. So, and we don't know if Mike Kalinowski is going to screw it all up for Dan. He, he might. <laughs> Oh, man. Who knows what's going to happen with the team division? The one thing we do know is that our champions, Mr. Sam Levine and Mm -hmm. Drew McWeeny, are going to stay intact. Yes. I I love the Iron Man match. I love that that format. Yeah, I did, too. I did, too. That was a fun format. Eat your Wheaties, get ready, because 30 minutes of just questions coming boom 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 one time out but uh yeah that's just a fun format and it was a great format to finish the the collider collision too yeah i didn't dawn on me when they did this for the star wars division how much tension occurs in a match like this mm-hmm. and then the moment you see christian start to mess up on whose turn it is the answer first you you realize as it goes on how tense it is for the announcers because like as they have to just keep the questions coming or else somebody's going to say hey there was a 20 second delay like no time to spare really yeah. it's yeah. question and answer question and answer everything's fair and in line and, you know, it, it really was just made perfectly clear that despite Patriots being one of the best, maybe some would even argue still the best team to ever play the game, they are structured to be successful in the regular format. Yeah. 
and a format like this shows the cracks in knowledge. It, it does. Yeah, it does. It really does. And and I do have to agree with JTE's point at the end of it during the post-show interview that he admitted in a kind of a cocky way, but he still said, I didn't want it as much, you know? Yeah. I And there is something to say, like, when you go into these matches, how much you prepare for it. Do you, how much do you really want to win? And and there is some kind of driving force that allows those answers to come more freely when you really do want to claim that. And, I mean, obviously Drew really wanted it because he Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it was like he had an outer body experience. Yeah. <laughs> Even Sam didn't act like that. Nope, he didn't. <laughs> he was, he was, about that no no i think we you you, you capped it there with the queenie that yeah i mean what more can you say nothing we can't say yeah. anything we're done yeah we're we're tired of going through the marathon of the schmo down <laughs> yeah we did our own iron man tonight <laughs> yeah all right well well why don't you tell listeners where they can find you yes you can find me at will and polk that's w-i-l-l-m P-O-L-K. And you can find me on Twitter at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. But please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on both iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Good night. Geek out. You're welcome.